Is Jason Bottrell the right fit to be the Pittsburgh Penguins general manager? Find out my answer coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LORSR Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen today. We're free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. So when I woke up this morning, you know, listen to DK's Daily Shot, where you know he does a really good job with his Penguins coverage. Listen, I read Josh Shelley's article on the Athletic, and two separate media outlets just going ham for Jason Bottrell. I don't know if they know something's up with him potentially being the favorite for the GM job. There's really been no word from Fenway Sports Group. All we know is that he got a first round interview. Don't know if he's on the second round for candidates, but two separate media outlets today going hard. For Jason Bottrell, former Penguins assistant and associate general manager, was here under the Ray Shiro days, was here under the Jim Rutherford days, went to Buffalo, is now in Seattle, and seen a lot of discourse on Twitter about how he's the number one target, he would be a great fit here, all that stuff. <clears throat> so I figured I could take my platform here to discuss the pros and cons of him and why I personally do not have him at the top of my list. Okay. I'll try to be as clear and as concise as I can be with this. So let's go here. Number one, would I be upset if Jason Bottrell was the hire? No, because I think he's an upgrade over on Hextall. I think he's an upgrade over, especially Mark Version and Peter Shirley and probably a few others on this list. But I think underwhelmed is the word that I would use. You're probably wondering why. And it's mainly because, honestly... I don't think he did that good of a job in Buffalo. Yes, you can look at his draft record and you can see, yeah, he drafted Dylan Cousins, number seven overall. He's really good, but he was also a top 10 talent going into that draft. So he's living up to his billing. Yes, Rasmus Dahlin has been really good. Well above average defense, above average defenseman. He drafted Samuelson, who I think is going to be pretty decent. Casey Middlestat, bit of a reach at the time, was not playing well. He's finally starting to figure it out especially this season. Uka Pekka Lukanen, who has kind of been replaced on the depth chart. Outside, you know, outside of that, you know, he got them Tage Thompson in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. But honestly, that O'Reilly trade was aging like pure milk up until last season, the 2021-2022 campaign. Because that was when Tage broke out. This year, he broke out even more. People were wondering, like, if this was sustainable. Oh, yeah, it was, because he's he's become a very good player. I, I'm of the opinion that he kind of got a little bit lucky that Tage finally figured some things out, because before these last couple of seasons, he literally just looked like a pure throw-in in that trade. He didn't really do much. Still, got them Tage Thompson. That's good. You know, he also signed Jeff Skinner to a $9 million per year contract. Yes, Jeff Skinner did have a good year this year. But 
that contract was also aging pretty badly at the time. And I also don't think he's worth $9 million per season. Those are the things that I really, I guess, again, there's pros and cons to it. Decent drafting. He got them Tage Thompson, even though it took forever to take for Thompson to, you know, come out, I guess. But the Jeff Skinner deal is just kind of a bit meh. And honestly, that's how I can describe his whole, whole tenure there. A whole lot of meh. He also hired Ralph Kruger, who was a terrible head coach. He almost ruined Ross Mistaline. Obviously, number former number one overall pick. He almost ruined Dylan Cousins and all some of those other guys. That was a pretty bad decision. You also could argue and go devil's advocate that maybe some of this was ownership driven. I don't think it takes a genius to see that. I think the Pagula family cares more about the Buffalo Bills than they do the Buffalo Sabres. You could probably go ask Sabres fans how they feel about the ownership there. And I think they would say that I think they would agree that they care more about the Bills than they do the Sabres. And, you know, working for the Pagulas is a bit hard. I, I think that's true. But <clears throat> again, I, I think it's mainly just a lot of very meh during his tenure in Buffalo. Does he deserve another shot? You can certainly argue that. Again, <clears throat> I do think he could fit here if you surround him with a good supporting cast of assistant GMs and analytical people. But if you're not going to do that, he's not going to work here. I also think another way it could work here is if he's maybe president of hockey operations and you hire someone like Eric Tolsky to be the GM or another young guy who's never been a GM before. I just don't think it makes sense to <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> hire him as the GM, have someone above him like a John Chica, whoever, and then you roll into next season and the years next next season after that without as your front office. I think you're just doing yourself a disservice with so many young and upcoming and hungry people ready for a GM job. And also my last thing is, if Jason Bottrell had never been in Pittsburgh, would you be seeing all these people clamoring for him? I think we all know the answer to that question. Again, I'm not trying to be a party pooper here or anything like that. I'm just a little skeptical because of his work in Buffalo. Some highs, feel like there's more lows than highs though. Again, you can argue that the ownership group of, of the Pigula family had more input with maybe the Kruger hiring and the Skinner extension, but I think that was more so Bottle just trying to save his butt. And then the O'Reilly trade was really bad before it turned out to be a, at least a little bit better because Tate Thompson finally panned out. But, you know, he also traded Brandon Montour. Didn't really get that much in return. Granted, I know Montour has turned it up quite a bit since leaving Buffalo. He was never that good in Buffalo. So I'm not really going to hamper Bottle that much for that one. But he just, he never really got the Sabres truly going. I, I wouldn't say Kevin Adams had to come in and clean up his mess. That would be unfair to say. He didn't leave him a mess. But I just don't think he did that good of a job to the point where everyone's like, well, this has to be the guy. This has to be the guy. No, I mean, I would have, again, I have, I have Eric Tolsky as my number one target. I will maybe put Sam Ventura over him, maybe even Jason Carmanos, Steve Greeley, people like that. I, I am just of the opinion that this organization needs new, fresh blood and mostly away from the retreads. There are ways it can work. 
if you do hire a bot troll and you surround him with a good staff and you have a decent president of hockey operations above him, or if you hire a bot troll as your president of hockey operations and you have a younger GM like Eric Tolsky in there with a good supporting cast of assistants and analytical people. But if you're just hiring Botterill and you're not giving a good staff and you have someone up, up, up above him, who's, you know, more so on, like, as the dinosaur side, I just don't think that's going to make too much sense. So that's kind of where I sit on that in terms of Botterill. I understand the, the, the familiar factor when it comes to him being here, he knows the organization he knows what it takes to win here. He was Jim Rutherford's right-hand man when he was here. He worked under Ray Shiro. But again, I just don't, when I look at his work in Buffalo, I just don't think I see someone where I'm like, yep, that's the guy you want to press all your buttons for and go all in. I, 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 am, I just don't see it. So... That's where I stand on the Jason Botterill stuff. Let me know your thoughts. I know this might be an unpopular opinion to some people within the fan base. Well, let me know down in the comments if you agree with me or if you disagree. Don't worry. I don't mind if you disagree. If Botterill is the hire and he comes in and proves me wrong, I will eat crow. I am perfectly fine with taking an L. I've done it plenty of times on this show. I am just here to give my expert opinion on why or why not I would like something. Again, would he be an upgrade? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But would I have him as one of my top candidates? No. No, I would not. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's as if, you know, it's as one of my buddies said to me today. It's a lot of, you know, kind of not sure what to make, make of this a little bit in terms of his overall tenure, but not a lot, a lot of, but not a lot of, wow, he absolutely crushed it in Buffalo. It's just a lot of, eh, okay. That's that's kind of where I'm at with that. But again, let me know your thoughts. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think I'm stupid? Do you think I'm smart with this one? Let me know. That wraps up this first segment when it comes to Jason Bottrell. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into more GM updates from Pierre Lebrun's article today and why there are a few new names on there if you do not have a, a subscription to The Athletic or if you don't read or if you don't follow Pierre Lebrun on Twitter or anything like that. So that's coming up. After this, but before we touch on that, we do have to discuss game. Oh, that's not the one on YouTube. We do have to discuss game time. There have been so many times where I have been stressed about buying tickets. The Steel Panther show earlier this year, the Chicago Blackhawks game at the end of the season because tickets were just going so fast earlier against the Washington Capitals because tickets were going fast for that as well. Now, that that's where game time comes in because game, ticket, buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near year with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. It is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, hockey, concerts, theater, and so much more. You can download the Game Time app right now. Create an account and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, that is create an account and redeem code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, I am back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host. 
Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen today. We're free and available on all platforms. So let's jump into Pierre Lebrun's updates for the GM search as there were a few new names that came out today in his new rumblings blog slash article. So Pierre starts off by saying Penguins have been busy conducting interviews as they seek to fill out their front office. I have been told they're looking to hire both a president of hockey operations and a GM. He said they chatted with a dozen or so people via Zoom in the first round of interviews, and they're now cutting down the list to a short list for second round interviews, which will be in person. He's also heard that they have already informed some people as early as today, Tuesday, that they will not be in the running anymore. If I had to guess, based on the list that we've had so far from numerous reporters, I think Peter Shrelly and Mark Bergeron have probably been told that they are out. I cannot see them going for either of these two guys in any capacity. It just goes against what Fenway wants in a GM or president of hockey operations. It, it, it makes no sense to me. He then goes on to say, I have confirmed seven people who were part of the first round of Zoom interviews. Mark Bergeron, Eric Tolsky, Peter Shrelly, Jason Carmanos, and a hat trick of Devils front office people, Dan McKinnon, who is the Senior Vice President and Assistant General Manager, Kate Madigan, who is Assistant General Manager, and Megan Duggan, who is Director of Player Development. So if you're unfamiliar with those three people, well, that's what I'm here for. Meg, Megan Duggan, so she was recently hired last year. She was captain of the U.S. women's team in the 2018 Olympics. Very bright future for her. Kate Madigan, assistant general manager, she was hired by the organization um, about several years ago, back in 2017. She worked under Josh Harris. She was just doing some scouting and player development at the time. She has now risen the ranks and is an assistant general manager. I don't think it's going to be long before she is also a full-time general manager in this league. And then Dan McKinnon, you may recognize him. He did some player development here in the Penguins. I believe he was actually the director of player development here with the Penguins from 2006 to 2016. He was then hired by Ray Shiro. If you remember that Ray Shiro was the Jevils DM before Tom Fitzgerald got the job. He worked for the Penguins from 2006 to 2016 before he went to the Devils and then rose to the ranks as well. And he is now a senior vice president slash assistant general manager. The fact that the Penguins are targeting the Devils organization is not surprising. They have made some very good hires over the years. As I just said, Tom Fitzgerald has also done a great job as being the GM of that team. He got them to being a contender this year. Had some lottery luck, but he's also had some shrewd moves with the signing of Dougie Hamilton, Tomas Tatar, even though he wasn't that good in the playoffs. Oh, he's, he's done a really nice job for them. So not surprised that the Penguins are looking at the Devils front office because that is a very good crop of people there. And also, it's interesting that we we did not get those last three names until just now before the second round of interviews started. That just goes to show how tight-lipped the Fenway Sports Group has been about this. Pierre then also said he has not confirmed if Bottle or Matthew Darsh have interviewed, but he said he would not be surprised if they did. Remember, that was reported by Frank Cervalli of Daily Faceoff. He then says... Summarizing here, either I'm John Chaika for a president of hockey ops role, but he also said he would not be surprised if Chaika comes to a different initial organization in a few weeks. So it looks like he has a couple, you know, irons in the fire himself. And then lastly, he did confirm that the Penguins were trying to interview Brad Trilliving, former Calgary Flames GM, but they declined it 
even though he's not with the organization anymore, but his contract runs until what June 30th, July 1st, whatever. I think that mainly has something to do with the Flames really not being interested in just trade living, sharing their draft projections or what they're thinking for the draft or what they're thinking of adding and so I, I don't know. I, I think it's a little weird, but I also understand where they're coming from there. But those are the new names when it comes to Pierre LeBrun's latest for the Penguins. If I had to guess who gets a second round of interviews, and this is just me speculating here, Eric Tolsky, there's something is seriously wrong if he is not advancing to, to the second round of your interview process. I do think he will get a second interview. I would not be surprised if Jason Carmanos also gets a second interview. Any of those three Devils people would not be surprised if they get a second interview. Jason Bottrell, assuming he did get interviewed, and I think he did, I think he's definitely going to get a second interview. Not sure about Matthew Darsh. Not sure about some of these other people. I doubt Bergeron and Shirelli did. But it seems like the Penguins, they are in the process of cutting this down. And I think they're going to have a second round away with, excuse me, of interviews this week. If they want to bring Tolski in, for example, for an interview, you're probably going to have to do that if you haven't done it already today, Tuesday, tomorrow, Wednesday, because the Hurricanes start their Eastern Conference final later this week. Again, you can basically make hires even even if someone is with an organization, but you really just can't announce it, I don't think, until after that team is done playing. That's going to be the tricky part with hiring Tulsi, but I think the Penguins would still be able to pull it off even if the Hurricanes go all the way to the final and even if they win the final. I know it wouldn't end until mid-June, so I guess it wouldn't really officially start. He wouldn't really officially start until then, but, you know, I still think they can make it work, even though the draft is only a couple of weeks after that. He would just have a long way to go in terms of getting ready for the draft and all that. But, you know, most of the candidates on this list are pretty forward-thinking, pretty innovative, pretty analytically inclined. You can't go wrong with a lot of them outside. I think of Mark Bergevin and Peter Shrelly, John Chaika. I'm not too big of a fan of, though. You could maybe convince me a little bit. Jason Bottrell, as I discussed, I would be fine with it if a couple of parameters were set beforehand, but also not the top of my list. But overall, there weren't, there aren't really a lot of, oh my God, this is an easy no in terms of candidates on this list. I think Fenway has done a pretty decent job. They've, they've put out a very wide net of candidates. We all knew this was going to take place from the start. They even said during their press conference almost five weeks ago, they were going to talk to a lot of people. Remember, a search firm is involved, according to DK of DK Pittsburgh Sports. I said this on the Monday episode. How many of these people do you think the Fenway Sports Group knew before they started this search? Two or three? It wasn't many. That's why you hire a search firm. And honestly, someone said someone said it great on Twitter. Today. I don't know who said it, but I'm going to try to do my best to repeat it here, that when you interview people such as Peter Shrelly or Mark Bergman, you can get their ideas from what they think about your team. While in turn, you're like, okay, thank you for the ideas, but you know we're not going to move forward with your application because we value the team a certain way. But it's still good to get that perspective while also seeing other perspectives for maybe what lines up with what you want. You, it still doesn't hurt to get that outside perspective. When it does hurt, though, is when you get those people to second round interviews because it's like, okay, that is weird to me. <laughs> so, again, I don't expect them to be in the second round, but you know, 
you never truly know. I'm sure that's going to be reported at some point as to who got, you know, a second round of interviews and all that. So those are the latest updates when it comes to the GM search overall. I think we're probably going to see something in the next couple of weeks. I don't think they want to drag this out too much longer. We're already in mid-May. The draft is at the end of June. Free agency is in a month and a half. They got to get the ball rolling at some point here. But, you know, I also want them to take their time, make sure they get the right people in place. It's a very important hire, especially at the end of the Sid, Gino, and Latang era. You have to get these hires right. And I'm hoping that they do. So that wraps up this segment. Coming up to end the show, we're going to do a full conference final preview You'll get my picks, who I think will represent the East and the West in the Seneca Final, because I am really looking forward to these two series. They start Thursday and then on Friday. But before we do get to that, we have to discuss Athletic Greens. They have a product I use literally every day, and I started taking it because I didn't really have time in the morning. I wanted better gut health, more energy, a better immune system. I don't really like taking pills anymore like I used to as a kid. So what? is this stuff. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing seven high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. All of those things. Also, lifestyle-friendly, you know, keto, vegan, paleo, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It also costs you less than $3 a day you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens also has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by numerous professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, they're going to give you, Athletic Greens that is, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free child packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So conference final preview. We're down to four. The Stanley Cup semifinals, in other words. Dallas ended their series against the Kraken last night. I went two for four in the second round. Thankfully, Dallas uh and Vegas were able to bail me out. Got the East final wrong. I'll take the L on that. I guess we'll keep with the West. Vegas, Dallas is going to be a lot of fun. These two teams last played uh in the COVID bubble. And that was a really Fun series. Dallas won that. They got to the final. Lost to the Lightning in six games. It's when the Lightning dynasty truly got underway. This Stars team, though, a lot more potent than that. And I think that's going to make things dangerous for the Knights. But I will also say that the Knights are, are more potent now with the addition of Jack Eichel. They got Mark Stone. Chandler Stevenson's on another level. Shea Theodore, Alex Petrangelo. But Dallas, Rupe Hintz is playing another planet. Jason Robertson was better in that last round, but he hasn't even fully awoken yet, which is something I don't think the Knights want to happen. Got the old guys, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan are playing well. Wyatt Johnston, what a 
playoff he's having, what a rookie year he's having, and they got the difference maker and goal. All these four teams left, Dallas has the best goalie. And that's why I, I, I'm going to take Dallas in a very hard-fought seven games. I just like them a bit better depth-wise. I think their top forwards are going to be a little bit better than Vegas's top forwards. Miro Haskinen, I think, is the best defenseman in this series. I think he's going to be huge for the Stars. And when it comes down to it, I trust Jake Ottinger more in a seven-game series than I do uh, Lauren Bressois or Aiden Hill. It's going to be Aiden Hill, I believe, to start this series. But I, I trust Jake Ottinger more. He's played very well in these playoffs. He's had a couple of little off games, but I trust Ottinger a bit more. I like the Stars to go to the Stanley Cup final. And you know what a job by Peter DeBoer. It's funny, Peter DeBoer... 7-0 in Game 7s. He's done really good in his first few years with the teams that he's coached. It's only after that where it goes downhill. So the Stars are living life to the fullest right now. I think of these last four teams, they are the best team. I I honestly think they should win it. They have what it takes to beat Vegas. They have what it takes to beat the winner of Carolina or Florida. It's just all about them going out there and taking it. Because I think right now they are the best constructed roster on paper. They have the goalie that can steal you games. I, I think they are the favorite right now of these final four teams to go all the way. Switching gears to the East with Carolina, Florida. I also have that series going to seven games. That is going to be interesting because you have the Hurricanes who play a bit more defensively. They can still fire a lot of shots to the net. They, they, they rely on their point shot deflections and all that. But they're also, you know, they're pretty stingy in their own zone. Versus the Panthers who are high-flying. Well, not as high-flying as they were under Andrew Burnett, but they drive offense a bit more than Carolina does. And Kachuk is having a hell of a, of a playoff run. Carver Verhage scores in almost every game. Anthony Duclair has come back with a vengeance. Brandon Montour is having an unreal playoff for the Panthers. I think if they go all the way, he should get some serious consideration for the Conn Smythe if it's not Matthew Kachuk. And playoff Bob, Sergei Bobrovsky. Ever since he came in uh, for Alex Lyon and after that 3-1 series deficit to the Bruins, he's been right around 9.30, saved nine goals above expected, playing like a $10 million goalie. This is a Bob that we have not seen in a while. And he has been electric for the Panthers. Carolina, though, they're going to get Tara Vine back at some point in the series, if not game win, Sebastian Ajo. He has been great. Seth Jarvis has been good. Marty Natchez. Jordan Martinhook had a heck of a second round. Scored almost every game. Stephen Nason, former Penguins, been playing well. They got an electric top pairing of Jacob Slavin and Brent Burns. That's going to be really interesting. You know, a, a defensive first team versus another team in the Panthers that can really come at you offensively. An unstoppable force meets an immovable object. I am going to take the Hurricanes in seven. I know, Panthers, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, well. But I like Carolina to take it in seven. Would not be surprised if these two series go the other way around. They are that much of coin flips. These two teams, these four, two series, excuse me, are between two teams who are very evenly matched. I think it's going to make for some great hockey. I'm really excited to sit down and watch it. But that's my small preview on the conference finals. We will resume player evaluations for my Wednesday episode. We'll continue looking at the defenseman for the season, and then probably in the next week or two, we'll start to get to the goalies, and then we'll finish off with the coaches 
for my season reviews. And then I think we'll be done, basically, unless we want to do Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. But I think you already know where I stand on that. But that does it for this one. Thank you all so much for listening slash watching. Really appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday. I was supposed to have Josh Yoey on today. I think we're going to reschedule that for later on in the week. If not, next week had something come up. So look for that coming soon. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. I'll talk with you all on Wednesday.